0: On today's show, turmoil at Florida. Todd Grantham officially out as a defensive coordinator. Dan Mullen throwing haymakers at the media. What is going on with the Florida Gators? Could Dan Mullen's era in Gainesville be over? We'll touch on that with our buddy Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. Also, SEC Hoops starts tonight. Who the hell's playing? Who to watch for? Transfers galore. We'll tell you what to keep an eye on tonight in the SEC. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are
1: Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What is happening everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. I am Chris Gordy. Thanks so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Remember Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. Bring in our special guest, our buddy Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. Brandon, how are you man? How are you feeling? How are you, I guess, kind of dealing with this turmoil that's happened with the Florida Gators this season? I'm
1: actually doing well because the bad, bad man is gone now. So we don't have to deal with Todd Grant them anymore. anymore. I, I am happy. I'm just, I'm at the point where he's gone. So at least it's an improvement, even though the season has been nothing short of a complete disappointment.
0: Yeah. Take me through because, you know, I remember last season, I was one of the ones kind of stumping for, Moving on from Gran- Grantham because we knew how good the offense was all last year. Mullen with Kyle Trask and Kadarius Tony and all these different pieces. Kyle Pitts and the defense was kind of their Achilles heel at times, and we saw that in the SEC championship game against Alabama. But to me, it came to fruition in the bowl game against Oklahoma. And don't get me wrong; I know they had opt-outs galore, but giving up whatever was fifty-plus points to Oklahoma, I just thought that was enough to say, "Look, Todd, it's been nice." Well, let's part ways. I couldn't believe that Mullen stood by him, defended him and said, we're keeping him around. Uh, it kind of felt like this was just a long time coming. I know what, in, in your mind, a lot of Florida fans were calling for his head at the end of last year.
1: Oh yeah. No, he's someone that we have wanted gone because it was just the complete lack of making adjustments. And the players during this season were just visibly frustrated with him. We had Diabati in a press conference, they're like, oh, how how do you feel about the adjustments that your team made? He said we made the adjustments we were told to make. He did, he didn't say whether he felt happy or bad about it. He just said we made the adjustments we were told to make. They asked the confidence in defensive scheme. He said, I'm confident in my teammates' ability to play hard, and it's, that's not exactly a ringing <laughs> endorsement for your defensive coordinator. But uh, yeah, Todd Grantham, someone that we've we've wanted gone for a long time. Just he seems like he doesn't even know what's going on at some points where. You know, you watch any Florida game, if the opposing team's in third and three, third and four, we've got our corners backed off the line of scrimmage and we're just giving them free releases for quick gains for the first down. And then you can watch the LSU game earlier this year, third and 15, and that's where our corners played press coverage and gave up the 15-yard completion to get the first down. So just situational awareness was completely non-existent with Todd Grantham. And even in, well, now yesterday's uh, press conference with, uh, Dan Mullen he said you know I would have kept Todd Grantham around again if I had to do it again last year which is just um, not the right answer <laughs> it's not the right decision he made the decision uh, almost a year too late and I'm fully confident that if Todd Grantham was not our defensive coordinator going into this year our, our record wouldn't be four and five I could tell you that much
0: I know a lot of us were watching some of the other games going around the SEC Saturday night, and there were two really good ones. Alabama was in a tight one with LSU and Tuscaloosa, and then Tennessee and Kentucky were kind of in a score fest over in Lexington. Uh, For those who didn't get to see what happened with Florida and South Carolina, a lot of us were just reading tweets for people going, What the hell am I watching? South Carolina is just giving it, sticking it to Florida. Uh, describe the game to us for those of us who didn't get to see it. How ugly was it? Um,
1: it was disgusting <laughs> in every way. And it wasn't just defensively. Yeah, sure. South Carolina put up 40, but it wasn't just the defense that failed us here. The game, Dan Mullen started the game by calling five passing plays. This is an offense that in week one ran the ball for 400 yards and has been pretty consistently good when given the opportunity to run the ball, but instead Dan Mullen came out throwing the ball defensively. One thing that I really noted was that Todd Grantham, I don't know if he was trying to coach to save his job or if he was coaching or using the South Carolina game as uh, a little bit of a demonstration for what he can do for another school, but we brought more defensive back blitzes than I'd seen, I think, this entire season combined. We started off on the opening drive for South Carolina. I believe we had two or three defensive back blitzes. And it wasn't just Kyrie Elam. It was Jadarius Perkins coming in from the slot. It was just DB blitzes galore for some reason. Clearly, it wasn't the right strategy that Todd Grantham took. And it was just horrid throughout.
0: Talking with Brandon Olson from Locked on Gators. And Brandon, it, you mentioned it there with the. Uh, the rushing yards, I mean, for, for majority of the season, you know, Florida has been one of the better rushing teams. Now, granted, a lot of that has come from the quarterback spot, but last week, you know, Anthony Richardson, a few weeks ago, there was this push for him to be the starter. And, you know, at times he was so electric early in the year. And then he kind of got some, some more sample sizes and maybe wasn't as electric, but made some plays in that LSU game, especially in the second half. But This past week, we heard he was in maybe concussion protocol from a week prior, and then the story comes out that he injured his knee dancing at the team hotel the night before the South Carolina game. I mean, it just seems like these are the kind of stories that come out when everything's going bad.
1: Yeah. um, And it's like up until a couple hours ago, we were like, oh, this is a rumor. And then during Dan Mullen's press conference, he did confirm that Anthony Richardson was cleared on Thursday from concussion protocol. And then on Friday, injured his knee dancing in the hotel, which is just one of the worst injuries. (laughs) I just just, I'm, I'm so embarrassed to admit that that's something. But Anthony Richardson early in the season was, you know, lightning in a bottle. He was someone that he came in. And we saw the quarterback hurtling defenders, throwing bombs, which by the way, early in the season, uh, despite Gators fans wanting to make him this, this um, just legend, uh, he was overthrowing his receivers a lot early in the year. I was very critical of his accuracy at the time, because you look at week one, he's overthrowing these receivers and there were Gators fans were like, oh, well, if he was throwing to the better receivers then it would have been completed. And it's like, that's not how that works. Part of your job as a quarterback (laughs) is to be able to get the ball to your receiver, whoever that is. It doesn't have to be your fastest guy that can chase down your overthrow. And there were times in the South Carolina game where we look at what Emory Jones did, and it's like, well, if Anthony Richardson was here, that could have been a touchdown, specifically looking at Marcus Burke's big play. He ran a post route. It was a 61-yard gain, I believe, off the top of my head. And the ball barely got to Marcus Birkin, it's like, if that was Anthony Richardson, he's throwing that high and far, and that's po- probably going to be a touchdown at that point. But, uh, you know, between the shoe game last year and our quarterback injuring his knee in a hotel the day before the game, it's just not always a blast to be a Gators fan right now.
0: So let's talk about where they go from here, uh, and we'll do that – coming up next with our buddy Brandon Olson, host of Locked On Gators. And thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. I need to remind you quickly about our friends over at Price Picks. For college football fanatics out there, if you haven't heard about Price Picks, they're a daily fantasy app, making daily fantasy easy for you. They are a leader in college sports, daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world. They offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of, but lots of SEC players to pick from. So if you're a fan of the SEC, you need to go check out Prize Picks. Go check out their app. It's an award-winning app you can find on the App Store and Google Play. You can make entries in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy, and they offer fast withdrawals as well. Don't hesitate. Go check them out their website, prizepix.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, or go to the App Store, download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Continue our conversation with our buddy Brandon Olson, host of Locked On Gators. And Brandon, I wanted to ask you, you know, where do the Gators go from here? Four and five overall, just two and five in the conference. But we look at the games remaining, Sanford at Atmizu, and home for Florida State. These are all very winnable games. If Mullen can come out, somehow rally the troops, win three in a row, you finish, what, seven and five, you go to a bowl game. I mean, is this is that salvageable at this point? If he goes one and two, I mean, I got to think he's out. I mean, like, where are we here? Well, in Dan Mullen's
1: press conference, he spoke about his conversations that he's held with Scott Strickland and that Scott Strickland, the athletic director of Florida, hasn't necessarily given him any pressure. He's given him assurances that he'll be here next year, but I think that's working under the assumption that we win these games. But, uh, We were favored against South Carolina by 20 and a half, and we lost by 23. This is a team that, and I know I'm not just going strictly off the spread and how that worked out, but this is a team where we've had so many games we should have won, and we just haven't. We had, going into the schedule, I was looking, like, into the season, I was looking at the game schedule, and I was like, okay, three games are maybe losses here bama lsu georgia we lost all those plus kentucky and plus south carolina we didn't separate fully from florida atlantic or usf through those games we should have destroyed them and both times we're just failing to you know to finish it off and then we've got sanford coming up which is um if this game is anywhere close I might just have an aneurysm watching it. What's and the f- what's Missouri. the fan
0: attendance going to be? I mean, what, what, like 50% of the stadium? Like, who's going to go to that game? I, I honestly don't. Samford's
1: players' family. That's, that's all I can think of that's going to be there. It's not going to be great. The Missouri and Florida State to wrap up the year. But honestly, at this point, I'm not even fully confident in being able to dominate those games the way that going into the year we thought we would because, again, Florida's just been – lackluster the entire season and Dan Mullins, or sorry, after week three and Dan Mullins even said, you know, we were, we weren't as good as we thought we were. Maybe now we're not as bad as we think we are, but this is a worse team than it was at the start of the year. And it's usually the opposite case with teams where you get better as you get to, you know, gel together and play more, but it's just been so backwards in Gainesville this year. And with changing, getting rid of Todd Grantham, thankfully, John hevesy leaving as the run game coordinator offensive line coach. I like who we've promoted with Christian Robinson. I, I, I like what he can do and uh Michael Soline, but at the same time, these are two of the youngest coaches on the staff with some of the least experience. You know, Michael Solin, I love him. I love what he can do. He's got great potential, I think. But just a couple of years ago, he was teaching, he was coaching at Nassau Community College, and then now he's coaching in the SEC. And Dan Mullen said. He's going to spend a lot of time with the offensive line because the offensive line's been terrible this year. But we're at the point where I think if there's not significant improvements, then Dan Mullen should be gone. But it seems as though he's been told he won't be gone.
0: Does it seem like I, – I, and I get that, but we know there was interest in Mullen a year ago from the NFL. I mean, does this maybe work out where both parties win, where you know at the end of the year, Florida goes, look, we're not happy with where you are, but we'll let you out of your deal – if you want to go jump to the NFL, I mean, is that kind of a possibility?
1: I think it could be a possibility. And honestly, I think for someone like Dan Mullen, that's the ideal situation. He should be an NFL coach. I think because his biggest criticism has been just, Recruiting. That's been the worst part. That's been his worst area besides taking accountability for his own actions and decisions. But recruiting has been the biggest downside for him. And you don't have to do that in the NFL. You don't have to worry about that. You get to draw up your cute little trick plays that you want to dial up on third and 12 for some reason. And you get to just run whatever you want, get your offense going. And, you know, I think that the NFL, Dan Mullen, is that's where he belongs. I think he's built to be an NFL coach, maybe not head coach, but offensive coordinator and just let him let, let Dan cook at that point. He doesn't have to recruit. He doesn't have to do any of that hard work. And he could just, you know, he can check in like he's been doing.
0: And for anybody thinking, why would an NFL team be interested? Well, look, no further than just a couple years ago, Cliff Kingsbury got fired at Texas Tech. He was a great offensive mind, sucked, lost a lot of games. Dan Mullen not doing very well right now. Florida losing a bunch of games, but it's the offensive mind. It's the offensive ingenuity, And look at where, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has the Arizona Cardinals right now. So it could be successful. It could work out if Mullen were to move on. Let's talk damage control moving forward. I know you've talked about some of the young guys getting an opportunity. Let's say Mullen does stay put and he's got to hire some new coordinators and all that. How does he keep this roster intact? You've got Emory Jones. who's Man, he's had some ups and he's had some downs this year. You got Anthony Richardson. People out there are already talking about transfer portal. Where's he going to end up? Is he going to leave? How do you keep this thing under control Will you keep Richardson here, you keep your good players in-house? Uh, I feel like I, I
1: don't know what's necessarily salvageable, but I think Dan Mullen has to say, first and foremost, Anthony Richardson has to be the guy. He has to be here next year. No matter what you can do to keep him, do it because if Anthony Richardson is not coming back to Florida, I think that we're also going to lose a lot of players at that point. Not just not just mentally checking out from the team like we saw in South Carolina where no one even really stayed for the alma mater the past two weeks after the game. But I think that if Anthony Richardson leaves and he transfers, then Dan Mullen is going to lose not just talent, but commitment from the players that are already here. I think that We'll get more decommitments in recruiting, which has already been killing us over the past month. And I think that Anthony Richardson has to stay. That that is, if you can't get Anthony Richardson to stay, just chalk up next year as another L.
0: Gosh, I mean, that that would be. I, I can't. I got to think it would be crushing if he does hit the transfer portal and and leave. Um, again, like I, I just, where do where do Gator fans feel right now with where the program is? I mean, are they willing to say this is? this is just a rough spot. We're happy with winning the East last year, getting to Atlanta and all that. It didn't end how we wanted it to, but is there a chance to kind of reload here and, and reload the gun and be good next year?
1: I genuinely think there will be a chance next year, assuming we have our generally good players back. I think that, you know, Todd Grantham, I think he really did us in a lot this year, but Dan Mullen doesn't go without blame. He said it in his press conference. He's like, I bear all responsibility. I'm the head coach. Sure. But at this point, you know, this defense has just been killing us. We're giving up, what, 123 points over the last three games? That's that's insane, especially when we're playing teams that haven't been great offensively. You know, Georgia's been putting up points because they've been blowing everyone out in every possible way. LSU, before our game, was struggling hard. Their run game specifically – was awful, and they ran for 300 on Florida. South Carolina, not thought of as a great offensive team. They put up 40 against Florida. So I think with a good defensive coach, we can see things change, and we can see next season work out for us, but right now, Gators fans are very not optimistic about this team because Dan Mullins kind of lost the fan base at this point. We don't know if he's lost the locker room. I don't think he's lost the locker room by this point, but I, I do think that he lost the fan base for a large part of it, especially like I know one of my biggest issues is him not staying for the alma mater and then being like, oh, I didn't know our school band was there, even though they were at the Rock <laughs> blaring in his face. Uh, so I know I know that he's lost a lot of the fans uh, and that's been a big issue. But I mean, when it comes down to it, if he's got the team with him, I think they can bounce back. I still think this team's just underperforming. I don't think they're as bad as they've been.
0: Yeah, and Emory Jones, by the way, a junior, you know, does he decide to come back? If they commit to Richardson as the starter next year, does Emory hit the transfer portal? A lot of things uh, that could happen here. And by the way, the Gators hit the ground running. You get the Utah Utes coming to Gainesville to start the season next year. So pretty tough. And then you get Kentucky week two right after that. So whatever changes you make, man, you better be settled and ready to go for uh, week one and two next season. He is... Our our buddy Brandon Olson from Locked on Gators. Let our listeners know what you got on the podcast this week. Uh, I'm going to take a look at Christian Robinson,
1: our new defensive coordinator for the remainder of the season. We're going to see what we can get out of him because, I mean, Todd Grantham was just awful. So now we're going to see what trends we can pick up with Christian Robinson because, again, it's kind of weird that linebackers have been the Achilles heel of this defense, and then our linebackers coach is now the defensive coordinator – so I'm hoping he could bring out some fun stuff here. And, uh, yeah, we, we've got to take a look at the future in Gainesville because we can't even overlook Sanford at this point. I would put nothing past this team.
0: No doubt. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how things go down the rest of the schedule. Is, uh, are they going to cut off more media access? We'll see uh, how Mullen and company handle it. Brandon, <laughs> thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right. He has Brandon Olson, Locked on Gators. Check him out where you find your podcasts. Quick minute here for our friends over at BetOnline. They are back, and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of basketball season, which, by the way, college basketball season starts tonight in the SEC. They got odds, props, anything you can think of for you over at BetOnline.ag. They remain your number one source for all things football and basketball action Head on over to their website. If you've never signed up before, you can sign up today at BetOnline. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You will receive a sign-up bonus from basketball to football, boxing, even UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of this year. Bet Online. they're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. Going along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. As we transition a little bit, I was a little surprised yesterday when I was doing some uh, show prep for the show, and I realized, oh, look, SEC Hoops starts tonight. We got college basketball action starting tonight. Feel like we've been so focused on football, haven't even really Taking a minute to, to look and, and see what's going on at the other schools and, and all that kind of stuff. So let's jump into it. I want to get into just kind of breaking down um, at least things to watch for around the SEC in the hoops action starting tonight. SEC hoops, the headliner of the night is number 10, Kentucky. They play number nine, Duke from Madison Square Garden in New York. It's our first chance to get a look at John Calipari's new squad after they underachieved last season. Everybody else kind of playing tune-up games tonight against their first opponents, so we're not going to get into uh, doing a whole lot of preview on those games tonight because, honestly, they're all going to be blown out. Online doesn't even have a line on a lot of them because this is tune-up season. But uh, some guys to keep an eye on in the SEC this season – over at Florida, big man Colin Castleton is back after eyeing the NBA. Curious to see what he can do. Keontae Johnson is back as well, so Florida should be really good. Alabama, they've got Jaden Shackelford back. He originally entered the NBA draft, but Bama's leading returning scorer at 14 points per game. He is a big one with Nate Oates and his crew. Over at Vandy, Scotty Pippen, Jr., He's looking to build off a solid season last year. A lot of people really eyeing him. He had a chance to go pro. He is back, and so a lot of people thinking uh, he will have a big year in the SEC. Some other ones to keep an eye on. Kentucky has a newcomer in Oscar Chibwe, I believe is how you pronounce it, a transfer from West Virginia. They also have Georgia transfer, Severe Wheeler. Iverson Molinar is back at Mississippi State. Devo Davis back at Arkansas with JT Note. Darius Days, a big piece over at LSU. Jarkel Joyner at Ole Miss. And John Fulkerson back at Tennessee. So some freshmen to keep an eye on. we got a lot of new pieces coming in. Auburn, big-time freshman Jabari Smith. He is the highest-ranked recruit in program history. Bruce Pearl, very excited to see what Jabari Smith is going to do for his team. At Alabama, you got J.D. Davison coming in. He is a McDonald's All-American. Efton Reed at LSU is a big-time recruit. Tennessee's got a couple. Kennedy Chandler and Brandon Huntley-Hatfield and then Keyshawn Murphy over at Mississippi State. Some transfers to keep an eye on. Walker Kessler, he comes into Auburn from North Carolina. KD Johnson, he was at Georgia. He's now at Auburn. Liam Robert, Robbins, he comes from Minnesota down to Vanderbilt. Uh, Garrison Brooks, another North Carolina transfer. He's at Mississippi State. Justin Powell uh, jumps from Auburn to Tennessee. And Marion Jones transfers from Penn State to Florida. Some storylines to keep an eye on. Alabama, they are reloading. Five-star freshman J.D. Davison, uh, All-American Nabari Burnett, and Furman transfer Noah Gurley. A couple names for Alabama. For LSU, they got eight newcomers, seven players from the transfer portal. There was one guy they were very high on, Adam Miller, I think from Illinois. He got injured before the start of the season, so that hurts LSU. Georgia only has five players returning and only one averaged more than 2.4 points last season. So they got 10 newcomers, including seven transfers at Georgia. Tom Crane got some work to do. Florida, they lost seven possible returnees to either the transfer portal or going pro. That included Noah Locke's transfer to Louisville. Missouri, they've got nine newcomers, trying to replace more than 80% of their scoring from last season. Six players transfer it out. Texas A&M, probably the biggest change overhaul from anybody. A&M lost nine players to the transfer portal. That included their leading scorer, Emmanuel Miller, who transferred to TCU. The Aggies added four transfers. Our freshman class ranked in the top 30, and they're looking to rebound. They had tons of COVID issues and everything else last season. So as far as predictions go, USA Today predicts that Scottie Pippen Jr., will be the SEC Player of the Year from Vandy. Eric Musselman at Arkansas, they predict, as the SEC Coach of the Year. And the predicted order of finish. Here they are, one through eight. At least we're just looking at the top. Kentucky projected to finish number one in the SEC, followed by Arkansas at number two. So there's your East and West winners. Tennessee at three, Alabama at four, Auburn at five, LSU six, Mississippi State seven, and Florida eight. So what does that tell you? The SEC West is going to be a dogfight from Arkansas to Bama to Auburn to LSU to Mississippi State. It is going to be good basketball night in and night out once we get into conference play. So there you have it. Those are just some of the names to keep an eye on for the start of SEC hoop season. Start tonight. Bunch of games on uh, on ESPN, ESPN2, the SEC Network. So just figured we'd give you a little primer there on what to watch. We'll get back into more football talk throughout the week here on Locked on SEC. My thanks so much to Brandon Olson for joining us, host of Locked on Gators. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. Go check out our buddy Brandon over on Locked on Gators. See what he has to say about Dan Mullen on the hot seat. As he staying, Ty Grantham gone. Can the Gators fix this thing before the season is out? Disappointing year for Dan Mullen. And the games. We'll have we'll have your uh, round the conference news and notes tomorrow on the podcast. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.